Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Digital evangelism. It's a curious term, right? Certainly. When you think of all the things that happen online, all of the things that young people do online, evangelism usually doesn't, you don't really think about evangelism as part of it. Not nearly as much, no, as what else happens online. You think about social media platforms and, I don't know, the, the, the TikTok. Yeah. I'm, I know that I'm starting to get older uh-huh. because less of this stuff makes sense to me. <laughs> it's a weird feeling. It, there's a, there's, and you just you wait, Jonathan. Just uh-huh. you wait. I know. There's going to be a time where it clicks there's a, off. There's a, long, there's a long period of time yeah. where... You still kind of get it. Yeah, sure. You kind of still understand and sort of speak the language of the generation behind you. Right. And then you hit a point where you start hearing words that you have to do Google searches to find out what oh, they yeah. mean. Why have to do that now? Or or different lingo. Yeah. And you go, okay, I'm I'm getting old. Like I, I, I told you when my kids started using the word mid, that yes. things were mid. Yes. No idea. Right. And it means like average or mediocre almost. <sighs> Now my daughter, she walks around saying, chat, is this real? I'm like, is that? What? What is? Okay, Jonathan, welcome to my world. Yeah. I mean, it moves fast. Chat, is this real? Chat, is this real? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It's just like an expression when something happens that kind of draws her, like, is this really happening? Kind of the eye roll, like, chat, is this real? Is mom really asking me to go (laughs) do this right now? Chat, is this real? What? Or referring to everybody, whether they are related to you as a brother or not, uh, as bruh. Bruh. Yeah, bruh. 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 Uh-huh. I'm mom. I'm not your bruh. <laughs> There's all these just funny things. And you know you're getting old when that less of it comes naturally to you. Like I would, people would laugh at me if I started. How do you think Carl would, would respond if he comes back and I'm like, hey, bruh, bruh. He would look know, at me like I was try insane. I should, should try, try it. it. I like it. <laughs> I should definitely try it. No, I'm too old for that stuff. There yeah. is a generation me that too. speaks an entirely different language. The way they relate to each other, the way they engage online is like a foreign language to the rest of us. Yeah. And Jonathan, you're older than you think if you're not one of them. I, I if you're know. not one of them, you're one of us. I, I am one of you more than I am one of them. It moves faster <laughs> now, in my opinion, than it used to. So I, I didn't realize I'm technically a part of Generation Z, which I didn't okay. know. I thought I was a millennial, but I'm not. 1995 is the start of Gen Z. So you're Z. an older Gen Z. I'm an older Gen you're Z. You're on the tail end. Right. Okay. And uh, there is a new generation now. And actually, it's almost coming to its end Anybody born from 2020 or sorry, 2010 to 2024 is generation alpha. Okay. So, and then generation beta will apparently be next from 2025 to 2039. They go in 15 year spans. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we're already on to the next generation. Gen Z isn't even it anymore. Okay. Well, so how do we reach this next generation? We're talking Gen Z today, but I think gen alpha could be included in that as well. Digital evangelism is one of the tools. Uh, we've got a, a, a friend of the program who's going to be uh, chiming in on this. His ministry is called Mission X Mission, and their goal is to create opportunities for young people to hear about Jesus online. 
It's a really cool thing. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. That's coming up. His name is Tim Bassanio. Mission X Mission. Bruh. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, one thing for sure, we talk about it here all the time, guys. Reaching people for Christ has changed radically in this digital age. Yeah, and it's had to. What ways do you think primarily? Accessibility, for sure. Okay. I mean, we talked to multiple people that we've had on air here, and the ability, it's kind of like radio, but only in a modern way. Like, we reach, our average age is, what, 50, 60 years old here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the digital format for younger people, for some of them, Digital is all they know. Everything. To That's all they communicate. Yeah, absolutely. And with radio, I mean, sometimes you kind of have to make the choice of, you know, you usually stick with the stations, you know, sometimes you, you seek around. But, you know, take TikTok, for instance, you're scrolling through things pop up that you've never seen before. You know, channels and, and discipleship ministry can come into there without really expecting it. You can get into people's phones without them seeking you. Yeah, it's so true. Tim Bassanio is with us right now. He's got a powerful ministry, Mission X Mission. We'll talk about that here and give you a URL, a landing place for you to go. But Tim, you're seeing huge kind of new frontiers in the digital realm of reaching students, man. Tell us about it. Yes, we're living in an age, and as you just mentioned, it's a wild frontier. And God has invited us to be on the front end with our nose into the wind and our chest out saying, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, please, please, please. And he's answered our call. We've been reaching young people for 30 years through all kind of forms of media. But after 27 years of that, we're seeing overnight success with digital evangelism. What are you seeing in terms of how this generation, Gen Z, engages with technology that's different when it comes to evangelism? First of all, we got to remember one of the names of these this young generation is digital natives. They grew up. This yeah. is where they live. This is what they eat, drink, sleep, and, and feel. And so for years, if the young people lived on an island, let's say, we spoke the language of that island. And they, that island that they lived on was basically television. And the majority of them have moved off of that island and moved to the internet island. And so we are finding that they're much easier to reach on that island than they even were on TV, even though TV was one of the only few places you could reach young people that didn't know Jesus. That's what we live and die to do. We create opportunities for young people to find Jesus. And the opportunity is on the internet, on their phone, speaking their language. And what we have found to be so successful, you guys, is we stopped inviting and we started interrupting. If you imagine on the highways and you see a billboard on the side of the street, that billboard may have caught your attention, but we've moved the billboard off the side of the street and we're sticking it right in the middle of the road and it interrupts them. We place interruptions all across the social networking platforms and giving the young people a chance to respond to the gospel. And they're showing up ready 
Tim Bassanio, yeah. our guest right now, he's the founder of a ministry called Mission X Mission. That's he's been in youth ministry for more than 30 years. Now, when you say you're interrupting because we do picture young people, there's lots of scrolling. You're interrupting with what and inviting them to do what? Sensing a revival is the only way that I could put it about three years ago, coming to either reach the youth, being used by the youth or affecting youth. I just couldn't tell. Yeah. But it was so clear to me as I sat right here in this chair I'm sitting in now that, that it was coming. And for the first time in my life, I begged God to include me in what I saw was a coming revival. Two months later, we launched a safeplaceonline.com. Two months after that, COVID hit. So it was providential timing that we started a ministry called A Safe Place Online. And so what we do, we place ads across all the social networking platforms and we push pain point of loneliness, depression, anxiety. This generation is suffering from just straight up hopelessness more than any generation we've seen. But they're showing up with hope that there's got to be a better answer than what I am living today. Tim Bassanio is our guest right now. Coming up here in a moment, we want to hit some of those pain points. What are they exactly? What's, uh, What's the prevailing problem that you're running into, Tim? Coming up straight ahead. Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got with us Tim Bassanio. He's the founder of Mission X Mission. We're going to give you that address here in just a moment. It's a phenomenal ministry that's geared toward young people, and they're hungry like never before. What are the pain points? Uh, Pin it down, top three things that you're seeing in kids that some people might not suspect. It's loneliness, depression, and just straight-up hopelessness. Wow, that's a painful thing. And I think sometimes we respond to that with, Biblical answers, sometimes they might feel trite. How do you engage with this generation in a way that's different from previous generations? One of the greatest attributes of this generation is they are incredibly connected. And so we are not having to invent new ways to find out where our young people live. They're on their phone. And so as they scroll many, many hours during the day, We place these ads that speak their language and connect to them, and they feel understood and heard, and we offer them a chance to learn more. And it's there where they can chat free 24-7 through our live chat service, and praise God, it's working. And something that I've not seen in the 30 years is that they're showing up ready you guys, they're showing up ready. And God has just given us an opportunity, literally, to show up and be there when they're ready. How do you chat with a Gen Zer? And it sounds like that is a big strategy that you have, Tim. Uh, do you have yeah. a lot of people that are volunteering to do this? We have. We work with a beautiful organization called Need Him that handle our chats for us. They have about 800 volunteers. I think around 200 of them are even seminary students. What we also do, which I didn't see coming, is that there's so many young people. We had 1.5 million visitors to our website in July. Out of that 1.5, 113,000 young people said yes to Jesus. 
And what we do is we use a, a short portal, in essence, to, to qualify them, to bring them to the right platform technologically so we can meet their point of need. We use a, an AI-assisted, which I did not see coming. And we, we even let the young people know right there that we're there to help them. We have a trained system that will take them to the right person. And they don't hesitate, you guys. They don't hesitate at all. They're digital natives. They actually trust technology more than they trust people. And it's hard to comprehend. And I know you guys understand you guys. You have a huge heart for discipleship. Yeah. And, and we're seeing tremendous engagement with the discipleship. Tim Bassanio, our guest right now, he's the founder of Mission X Mission. It is geared toward engaging uh, young people, giving them opportunities to find Jesus. Tim, what can the church do? Because obviously technology, uh, it, even for digital natives, has its its limits. When we think about the relational component uh, of discipleship, the, the life on life component, what can the church do to come alongside ministries like yours that are presenting the gospel, inviting uh, young people in to them, come alongside and walk with them? For one, trust that the truth is what they're seeking. Truth is what works. You don't need flashy lights. You don't need amazing speakers. You don't need to have huge events per se, although I love all of those things that I just listed. But speaking the truth, looking them in the eye, making sure that they know that you understand, and to give them the opportunity to change their life. And we, for some reason, shrink back. Yeah. So step into the gospel, step into the truth, enter their world, listen with your heart yeah. and make sure they know that they're understood. And then don't be afraid to tell them the beautiful love story and the rescuing beauty of the gospel because they're ready. Yeah. They're ready. That's great. Tim Bassanio, guys, I want to give you a place where you can go check out more. MissionXMission.org. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Reading out of Matthew 5 this morning, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... And then what follows are eight different statements that all start with blessed are. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and this little section is often called the Beatitudes, which is out of the Latin root word, which means blessed or happy. The blessed here, blessing, is really relates to a real state of well-being in relationship to God. That's what the ESV, ESV study note said. There's like this deep, profound joy. It's more than just the blessing of I got this new thing or God gave me this or God did this for me. This is a blessing that's I'm rightly related to God and there's a deep, profound sense of joy and happiness that goes along with that. Uh, we start with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Young Thunder, summarize what we talked about with this one. Yeah, so this is basically... A form of humility, but deeper saying, you know, you're not holding on to anything that you can do. You're, you throw the resume out. Nothing you can do earns your way to God. You hold on to him and what he's done. That's right. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning here is related to what? It's related to our own sin 
and the brokenness of the world. It's not the mourning of losing a loved one or losing a home or some kind of financial status or anything like that. It is, I am broken. I have sinned before a holy God and this world is broken and it needs Jesus. And we mourn over that fact. And this one today, it, it this one is a unique one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, at face value, you think, okay, meek. What do you think of when you think of the word meek? I kind of think of like a, a shy person. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who, who kind of has their shoulders up near their head, yep. head down, just trying to keep to themselves a meek person. Yeah, yeah. You, you might go, you might think of a, Depending on your age, you might think back to high school or you might think of somebody in the workplace who's kind of kind of shy, kind of quiet yeah. in their demeanor. I think that's often what we what we default to when we think of meek, that it's more of a personality type that's that's quiet and shrinks right. back. But this one required some real kind of deep dive because there's the word gentle can be used here. It's it's definitely gentleness. Yeah. But the best kind of summary of this I, I found actually on Desiring God. And and a couple of commentators link this verse to Psalm 37, which I think is really helpful in understanding a picture of what it looks like to be meek. I just want to read you a couple of verses out of Psalm 37 to kind of help illustrate what meekness looks like. I'm going to start with Psalm 37, verse Verse five it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Verse 11 says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So a lot of Psalm 37 leading up to this, but the meek, when a sentence starts with, but it's contrasting what came before it. So the picture of the meek I gave kind of, kind of to summarize. Yes, it's a gentleness, but the meek have a radical trust in God, Hmm. specifically for vindication. Think about the times when you are so tempted to act on your your own behalf, to spring in, to try to move things around, to try to achieve some desired outcome, whether it's you were wrong or you were offended in some way or you were overlooked in some way. Our fleshly response is to respond. Absolutely. To defend, to provide, to speak, to make sure that we're heard, to make sure that nobody takes advantage of us. Yeah. That is the fleshly response. The meek do the opposite. The meek have a trust in God. It's not this is not a personality. This is saying, Lord, I will trust and wait for you. You will vindicate me. The meek hold back when when the temptation is to spring forward into action. The meek don't look to overpower and assert themselves over other people. The meek wait for the Lord. So this trust, this waiting on God to act on your behalf instead of 
moving so quickly to respond first. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We wait on the Lord. We w- Yes. So waiting on the Lord, that's a good picture of meekness. Trusting in the Lord, that's a good p- picture of meekness. You And I just keep thinking about the situations that come up in my own life where I'm so tempted to try to solve and fix yeah. and make sure that I'm heard and do all of these things so that I'm not wronged or, or overlooked in some way. Mm-hmm. That's my response. I, that's what I default to. Yeah. And so you, you can start to get a picture of why this meekness is so, so special because it's not our natural response. Nobody's personality is in this way naturally meek. Even the shyest, most quiet person wants to defend themselves. Oh, of course. Even if they don't know how to, meekness does not come naturally. No. It really doesn't. But blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You could put it as blessed are those who wait and trust in the Lord, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who aren't so quick to try to assert themselves over other people, for they shall inherit the earth. So meekness. We'll go back to what we always talk about on on this show. It's not something that we can go out and do for ourselves. It's just not. I can't make myself meek. I have to trust in God for that, even yeah. for the meekness to trust in him. Even the baseline requires me to wait for him yeah. because I can't do it myself. So today I would ask you, what does that look like in your own life? Think about are there situations that you are driving yourself crazy trying to fix and trying to come up with a plan and solutions? Might meekness be the answer today? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. When you start talking about food, of course you get hungry. When you think about those, we spend much of our life hungry. And the hunger and thirst that I'm talking about here is not for food, although many of us spend much of our life hungry. Yeah. And Young Thunder would be chief among them. About 90% of the time (laughs) I feel hungry in some sort of way. Thinking about talking about food. But think about how much of life is spent longing, hungering for, for something, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. This is why people pursue the avenues that they pursue. We pursue entertainment because we're hungry. People yeah. pursue substances initially, at least, because they're hungry mm-hmm. or, and thirsty. Yeah. People find themselves in relationships, oftentimes with people who maybe aren't the best for them because they're trying to satisfy some sort of hunger. Mm-hmm. There's a hunger for acceptance. There's a hunger and longing for love, to be appreciated, to be seen, to be recognized, to be known So, so much of life is spent trying to satisfy our cravings, Mm -hmm. our hunger, and our thirst. This is what Matthew 5, verse 5, or I'm sorry, verse 6, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In all your hungering and thirsting, how much of it is directed toward righteousness? Now, did some 
checking on this as well, because sometimes you can be very familiar with a verse, but then you go, do I, do I really know the meaning of this? Sometimes there's that surface meaning, but then when you start to really peel back the layers a lot, this is true of all of scripture. Mm. It's inexhaustible. (laughs) There's so much that you find. Uh, Just take one verse. If you start really digging, you're going to see things maybe that you hadn't seen before. So yes, this hunger and thirst speaks of longing and desire. I want to read some other passages to kind of help illustrate this, because as Carl often says, Scripture interprets Scripture. Psalm 42, 2 says this, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Isaiah 55, 1 through 2 says this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. One more for you. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This longing, this desire, ultimately there's a blessing that's associated with hunger and thirsting for righteousness or right standing with God. I hunger and I thirst for righteousness, that I would be in right standing with God, that my life would line up with his will. (laughs) That is the chief longing of the heart of a Christ follower. More than anything that we can get, more than anything that we can add on to our life that may bring some sense of satisfaction, that Mm -hmm. ultimate hunger and thirsting is for his righteousness, for right standing with him, that my life would really reflect his ways. This quote by C.S. Lewis is is a good one. I've heard it before. I came across it again yesterday, and it seemed very fitting. Got it out of a Desiring God article, but this is from C.S. Lewis. It says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I'm going to read that to you one more time. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Mm-hmm. You ever tried to satisfy a hunger in the wrong way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A and thirst in the wrong way? Maybe initially it. It feels like it is satisfying. It is working. Ultimately, it is not. You know, I think of eating, eating chips. I love eating (laughs) chips. They taste delicious and they feel good when I'm eating them. But if I eat chips around dinner time when I'm feeling hungry, they feel good while they're going down. But as soon as I stop eating them, that hunger to the same intensity I had it comes right back. Yeah. Because chips don't fill it. No, they don't satisfy. Nope. And this, again, as all of these, these, these Beatitudes, if you're just joining us, we're in Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This section is called the Beatitudes, the Latin root word, which means blessed or happy. These statements all start with blessed are, and they relate to kingdom living. These were Jesus's instructions to his disciples. This is how you're going to reflect me to the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. I think we, our desires often feel like they're beyond our control. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, especially when I think back to when I was pregnant, I craved things that 
I, I, did, I felt like I had zero control. I had cravings for sheet pans of brownies. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> like, and that felt totally out of my control. I didn't wake up and decide today I'm going to want this. Right. It sort of just happened automatically. <laughs> sure. And our carnal, natural desires, the things that we default to, mm-hmm. have to be redeemed. Yeah. Because we don't actively choose what we desire. Mm-hmm. You think about... Something as simple as the lust of the flesh. People don't wake up and decide today I will lust for this. It's sort of baked into us because of our nature of sin. Mm -hmm. So the only way that you can hunger and thirst for righteousness is to have your desires reordered by a holy God. Yeah. Your desire and thirst, your hunger, your longing for him can only come from him. Right. So what do you do if you if you are hungering, thirsting for the wrong things? What do you say, young thunder, for to somebody who hungers and thirsts not for righteousness? Their deepest longing is not for right standing with God. It's for something else. You know what? I would say this. uh, If you are hungering and thirsting for something other than righteousness, then, you know, by now as well as I know and have figured out for myself that it's not doing anything for you. Yeah. That it doesn't work. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. Maybe, I mean, I don't deny that the the temporary feelings, the initial feelings are good, but they don't last and they often cause much more trouble than they're worth. Yeah. And so if you feel that in your heart, I want to turn you towards the Savior, Jesus, Mm -hmm. the one who died for you so that you could be with him. I mean, he craves relationship with you. He loves you. Yeah. All he wants is to be with you. All he wants is you. Follow him. Because as you seek him and as you seek righteousness, It is the most fulfilling thing and life-changing thing that you can experience is life with Jesus. And so for you, can we go through seasons where uh, we're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things? Absolutely. But there has to be that initial reordering of your desires where you are given a new heart, Not not a heart transplant in the sense where you go to a doctor, but your heart of stone is turned into a heart of flesh where he puts, God puts his spirit in you and therefore allows you to hunger and thirst for right standing with him. That only comes when you are in right relationship with him. So if today you've never made Jesus your savior, it won't be possible for you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It simply won't be. This, none of this can apply to you if you are not in Christ. You will never hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Is that too strong a statement? I think you're correct on that. And the change point is when the Holy Spirit convicts you that that is what is true and that righteousness in Jesus is what you need. That right standing, that life that's the full expression of walking with him. So today, if you want to begin that relationship with Jesus, if you've maybe been listening for a while or today's your first time, what do you need to do to be saved? It's a great question. What do you need to do to be saved, Young Thunder? What you need to do to be saved is surrender. I think that encapsulates all of it, and I'll get more specific, but surrender. 
acknowledge that the way that we do life without Jesus doesn't work and that we have an utter need for him, that we've made messes of our lives, of our relationships, of ourselves, and he is the only one who can fix that. He died on the cross for your sins, and we all still make mistakes, but because of his sacrifice, our sacrifice has already been paid, and we can stand in front of God and he sees Jesus instead of seeing our mistakes. And so you surrender to him, you acknowledge those things, and then you follow him. Yeah. You say, I am, now that I've acknowledged that this is the wrong way to live life, I am going to turn. And I am going to walk with you because I acknowledge your way is right. Go where he goes. Yeah. Let him lead you. It's the most fulfilling thing you can do. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing when you acknowledge what's true about you, that you are a sinner in need, in a sa- uh, in need of a savior. You confess that it, that's Jesus. He's the only way to make peace with God, to be in right standing with the father. And then you believe I believe, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. You did what you said you did. That's you. Have that honest conversation with God where you acknowledge him, you confess, you repent, turn and go a new way. I want to pray for you, Lord, for the person who's listening today. Maybe this all doesn't make sense right now, God. I pray that you would take our feeble words, Lord, and use it because it's your word, God, and your word does not return void. So make it clear, make it plain for the person today who is truly wants to surrender to you, God, meet them right where they are. Give them the words to pray even as they start this new relationship with you, God, that today they would begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they would be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, I want you to just text the word welcome to 312-274- Nine six two four. I just want to send you something that's going to give you some next steps. So just text welcome to 312-274-9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.